We're in the same passage that we were a couple weeks ago. I tend to do this. Uh, I'll get into writing a sermon and you're like, oh my goodness, there's so much here. Let's, let's hit it again next week. Um, but if you would stand for the reading of the word of the Lord, we're going to be in Genesis 12, verses 1 through 7 again. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in all the families of the earth, sorry, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took uh, Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. The grass withers and the flower fades. With this, the word of the Lord stands forever. Pray with me. My Father, we thank you for your word. and We thank you that it speaks to us. That it is more than just words on a page, but... It is your revelation. And you have promised that as we hear your word and read your word together, the Spirit would take that and apply it to our hearts. And we pray, Lord, that that would be the case this morning. That your word would be heard. And Lord, I pray that anything that I would say that is contrary or not helpful to that would, uh, would fade to the background. Amen. Uh, you may be seated. All right. Um, oh, goodness. This is the wrong file. It's okay, they're all right here the problem when you have two sermons on the same passage, right? <laughs> so uh, this week I was reading these blogs and articles um, written by people that received surprise inheritances. I don't know why I would do that. <laughs> I might not do know why, but it feels like uh, a troubling thing. Um, but the, in these situations, these people were, were, in most cases, taken from, from great poverty and want up to having sudden wealth, like, overnight. It changed their life. And now I don't know what the statistics on this are overall, but obviously the ones that make for, for good writing, every single one of them 
blew all their money within a few years and ended up right back where they started. As one guy was writing about his experience, he was 18. He was living um, in a hostel, uh, estranged from his parents, and his mother passed away. His mother, who he had no idea, had over a million dollars hoarded away, and he became a millionaire overnight. You can imagine what the story of an 18-year-old who comes with that kind of money looks like. He was out of the hostel and into a penthouse. He had sports cars and limo rides and a number of more illicit purchases. He even tried to invest some of it, and he tells a story of how he accidentally added a zero zero to what was going to be a $1,000 investment. Now, what was going to be a $10,000 investment? And then that investment went bad. And overnight, he lost 50 grand. All of this goes, and he he comes to the point where he said, over the course of four years, he spent every penny of it. Back on the streets. So what's the point? Why read this stuff? Maybe it's somewhere in a middle class need to see somebody else lose everything that I'm not going to have. Actually, I was looking at these because I was thinking about this passage again and those blessings that Abram was promised, that we are promised. And in that reality that we talked about a couple weeks ago where we're now those blessings are somewhat incomplete. They feel somewhat finite. What that looks like for what we do when we receive those blessings, is that different? Should it be? Than what we would do if we inherited a million dollars overnight? Maybe we hear these people's story and we go, well, I can manage my money better than that. Make sure that it wasn't gone in four years. I like to think that. I don't know. Probably I wouldn't. But even in that question, I feel like we handle our blessings that way. Like we're trying not to be the 18-year-old kid. Because that seems wise. but I wonder if that's the way we should behave as heirs of blessings from God. Or if we're missing the point when we live that way. And that's what I want to talk about today. A couple of weeks ago, we went through this passage and um, we looked at what Abram was being called to. This big ask of God, right? He calls Abram to leave, leave the land that that he knows, to leave the people that he was deeply rooted to, to leave all the blessings of his life and, and the life of his ancestors that he had there, his stability, his security, his name, and to go to a better land, but one that he wouldn't get to possess to go 
to become a better nation, but one that he wasn't going to know. And to go to better blessings, but blessings that weren't really for him. And we struggle with the reality that in our call in Jesus Christ, it often looks like Abraham getting to the promised land and being told that these good things, well, they're for your offspring. That life in Christ looks more like going than arriving most days. And this tension that we live in, right? Between the already and not yet of what Jesus has done and is doing. And we meet this tension as we did last week with this understanding that we are given these now blessings. They are fleeting and incomplete, but we're given them. And in them we can celebrate because we know what the real blessing is. We know what the final picture is. But there's another way that we can, actually we must look at the blessings that we have from God. And it's a little counterintuitive given the incomplete nature of these blessings. But we have to hear it. And what it is, is the why behind all of this calling and going and blessing thing here. Why might be the wrong word. It's not a why like, why did God call Abram, or why did God call me? Not a why him. We like that question. We spend a lot of ink on that question. Even though that has a pretty simple answer. Why Abram? Why me? Well, because God loves Abram. Because God loves me. Because he loves you. But there's more here, something beyond that, a bigger why. Not what did this have to do with me, but why is he doing it? What is the purpose? What is the purpose? How often do we ask that question? We ask, why did God call Abram? Was it because he was a good guy? Was it because there's something else going on? But do we ask, what, what was the purpose of God calling Abram? Do we ask, what is the purpose of God calling us? What is the purpose of these blessings? What is your salvation for? I don't ask that question enough. <laughs> but God promised to renew the land for Abram, for us. He promised to make a people from Abram, from us. He promised to shower blessings on Abram and on us. But what was the purpose of that? Often we don't ask the questions, we just accept it. If we do ask the question, I think we tend to oversimplify it. And it boils down to two things. Either God blesses us in order to show us his love, or maybe more theologically satisfying, he blesses us as a way to bring himself glory. Now hear me, both of these are very true. God loves Abram, and he shows that love by calling him and restoring him and blessing him. 
And that wonderful act of love does indeed bring God tremendous glory. And God loves you. And he shows that love by calling you and restoring you and blessing you. And that act of love does bring him tremendous glory. But I want to tell you something that goes further than that. And actually right here it's explicit. It's so explicit that it's kind of embarrassing. Like why do I always overlook this? Because I'm short-sighted. Because I'm selfish. Because I'm lazy. I assume that the story of God's love and glory begin and end with me. But it doesn't. And it doesn't end with you. God blessing Abram has a very explicit purpose. It goes way beyond Abram or Israel or you and me and the church. God says, I will take you to a better land. I will make you a greater people. And I will bless you and make you great so that you will be a blessing. Go from your country and your kingdom and your father's house to the land I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And then he doubles down a couple of verses, or in the next verse, he says, you know what, your friends are going to be my friends, and your enemies are going to be my enemies. Why? So that in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Abram has called, not ultimately for his own sake, though God does love him. Not for Israel's sake, though God does make Israel his people. Not for the church's sake, though God does make her a bride for his son. But for the sake of all the families of the earth, for the sake of the world. God has called and blessed us. He has called to bless the church for the sake of your neighbor, for the sake of your communities, for the sake of your world. Brothers and sisters, you have been called by God to salvation and blessing in his son, but this isn't about your blessing. It's about you becoming a blessing. What this means, and these are implications that I want to dig into like for a long time with you all, is that church, spirituality, salvation, all these things that we do here, it's not about us. It's not about helping us grow for our own sake, but it's about helping us grow in how we love and bless and show Christ to those around us, all of those around us, all the families of the earth. Like, okay, the theologically astute of you out there might argue, well, isn't this whole, like, God making Abram a blessing to all the families of the earth, isn't that actually like a Christological thing? He's not actually talking about Abram. He's doing this thing where he says, well, Abram, from you is going to come the Messiah, and he's going to bless all the, all the peoples of the earth? Yes. Yes. But Abram is still called to bless people. 
Israel was still called to bless people, and we are still called to bless. These two things are not mutually exclusive. See, if we, briefly, look at God's consistent interaction with his people, we see that from the very beginning, this was God's plan. From the very beginning, God intended to work through his called people, to bless through his called people. It's the way that God does things. He does it through overflow. His abundance spilling out and giving us abundance to spill out and on and on and on. This is what he does in creation. God made people in his own image. He makes humanity as a picture, an extension, an outflowing of himself. And then he tasks them with some things. Being co-workers of his goodness, blessing the garden with care, blessing the creatures with names, blessing the earth by filling it and caring for it. God could have blessed everything on his own. But he prefers, in fact, his very nature drives him to create reflections of himself, bless those reflections so that they can go out and bless as well. Abram receives the same call, but in the brokenness of a fallen world. Israel, when they're given the law, is given the same call. So much of the law is about how they bless other nations, how they become something different, where God is seen and his blessings are felt. And when Israel is punished and dispersed and exiled, it is both because of their failure to do that and in this crazy way that you can only see when you step back and look at the whole picture in order to give, give them the opportunity to do that more as they are sent out among the nations. And the church, too, is called to be a body who extends blessing, who make disciples of all the nations. How? By spreading the gospel of God's blessing through, through the work of Christ. And if we are God's people, through the tremendous blessings of Jesus Christ, if this is true for us, then we are called, like Abram, not just to rejoice in our blessings, we should, but to be filled with those blessings of Jesus Christ so that we can share those blessings with our neighbors, so that we can be a blessing just as Jesus Christ was a blessing for us. Because this is what the work of Christ is, right? This is the gospel. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God himself, equal in power and glory with the Father. He had blessing. He had glory. He had as much of it as he could get. Could have rested in that, absolutely. He could have been justly satisfied to be God, to be good, to be all things, and leave broken humans to our own devices. Why not? 
We were blessed, right, in creation. We were given this opportunity, and we blew it. But this is not who God is. Because his goodness is so abundant that it's in its very nature to spill over. And so God chooses to bless us. He chooses to lay down his glory so that we might be blessed. Not selfishly hoarding it, and this is where we finally get back to my illustration. Not worried that if he spends it lavishly, he will somehow lose it all. But he lavishes it on us. Even though that means trading the glory of his home for the squalor of this broken earth, even though that means trading the glory of his heavenly hosts for the dysfunction of a broken people, even though that means trading the glory of his name and the security of his power for the insult and shame and death of a cross. Jesus gives up abundant blessings in heaven to live in this broken world with us so that he can be a blessing to us one that we could not have experienced without him. And it's in his work blessing us even as his own blessings were stripped away that I think maybe we see something of a purpose in living in this already but not yet space. That importance of bringing a blessing to our neighbors here and now See, the incomplete nature of our blessings in this life make, make us feel like blessings are scarce. They're limited and fleeting and quick to run out, so it's understandable that our reaction often is to stop the narrative of God's blessing at that point where we receive, to just kind of hold there. I'm saved, I'm restored, and sometimes... In this life, I even get a taste real blessing. Hallelujah. Now I'm going to hunker down and ration these blessings for the rest of my life until Jesus comes and I can get my full inheritance. Because goodness knows there's not a lot of it. So I got to hang on. But that's not what we're called to do. We're called to share our blessing. We're called to burn through that blessing like an 18-year-old who just became an, a millionaire overnight. to be a blessing ourselves. Because even though that our now blessings are incomplete, they're not scarce. There is no scarcity in Jesus Christ. They flow from an abundant and never-ending source. They will not run out. They will flow and flow and flow until he comes. We will see that blessing in full, and so we don't have to hoard it now. We can bless others. We can be a blessing, even when our blessings are small, even when we're bearing the cross. Because we know that the cross isn't the end of the story, right? We know that there is resurrection. And we know that the abundance of the, the blessings of Christ are abundant, that they are ours. Now, the blessings of this world are scarce. 
They run out. They must be hoarded. Sharing them, blowing through them, it does seem foolish. And our neighbors are panicking as the good things of the Babylon that they are in slip away from them. They have sicknesses with no cure. They have sadness with no hope. They have suffering with no justice. They have grief with no comfort. They have death with no resurrection. And so in that framework, you've got to hoard your blessings. You've got to be smart. You've got to hang on to it because it's going to run out. And don't they need the blessings that we have? And we are called to be that blessing to them. We are called to be a blessing in this world that does not come from scarcity, that does not come from want, but comes from the abundance of Jesus Christ. We're called to be that so the fullness of God's love might be seen, so that he might be glorified beyond anything that we can, can imagine. And part of the reason that we're sitting here waiting, that we're sitting here between this already and not yet, and, and just kind of like, all right, this is great, but when's the full blessing coming? It's because we have neighbors who need to see the blessings of Jesus. We've been called to live as blessings in this world like Abram in a Canaan that he isn't going to possess so that our lives can show the blessings of Jesus to our neighbors, to our families, to our communities. We're going to talk what that looks like a lot in our hopefully long relationship together. But for now, this is what I want to encourage you. It is good that you are here. It is good that you have heard the call of Jesus Christ in your life. It is good that you have gone from those scarce blessings of the world, that you have left them behind and went towards the abundant blessings of Christ. And if you're here and you don't know that or you're listening and you haven't made that decision and you're considering that call, let me tell you that it is good and we pray you respond to it. But the story of your salvation does not end here. And I don't just mean sanctification and glory. We'll talk about those too. But I mean that the story of your salvation doesn't end with you. You are called to look outwards and to bless. What we do here, a huge part of that is growing in our connection to the blessings that we have so that we can be empowered and prepared for the work of blessings that we're called to. I'm going to end with a quote that came across my feed um, from Toni Morrison, of all people. This is what it said. Something she says to her students. Remember, your real job is that if you are free, you need to free somebody else. If you have some power, then your job is to empower somebody else. This is not just a grab bag candy game. I think that's pretty profound. I think it's even more profound in Jesus Christ. 
If you've been blessed by the work of Christ, if you have been blessed with a new home and a new people and a new name, if you've been blessed with blessings that do not run out, if you're free and empowered in those things, then it is your job, your calling to bless others. And you are, you are blessed by the work of Jesus Christ so that you will be a blessing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your blessings. Um, We have not earned them, but you have lavished them on us. You've lavished them on us in what looks like, what feels like great risk to yourself. Pray, Lord, that in that act we would see what you are calling us to. That we could trust you so deeply that we can turn the page from this being about us and love our neighbors well. For the sake of your glory and your kingdom, in the name of your Son, amen.